Well, take your copy of God's Word and open it with me to the Gospel of John. We've been studying through this great book, and we have come to chapter 3. And this morning, we're going to look at the first 12 verses, John chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And as we begin, I want to share with you what the great, famous British preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon once had to say about this particular passage. He said, if we are asked to read to a dying man who does not know the gospel, we should probably select this chapter as the most suitable one for such an occasion. And what is good for dying men is good for us all. For that is what we all are, and how soon we may be actually at the gates of death, none of us can tell. To that I say amen, and I cannot also think of a greater passage for the living or the dying than the passage we are going to look at in the Word of God this morning. You know, there are a number of different metaphors in the Bible that describe salvation, Salvation is described as the leper being cleansed. Salvation is the sheep being returned to the flock. Salvation is the prodigal coming home. In our passage this morning, we're going to see another metaphor for salvation. Salvation is a new birth. Jesus said, you must be born again. Never has a more important statement been uttered, and it is vitally important that we know what this means to be born again and that we have been born again. According to Jesus, everyone must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Unfortunately, there are many people in our society today who have taken that phrase, born again without having any clue what it means. There are many who have claimed to be born again who, according to their lives, clearly have not. There are many who take this phrase completely out of its context. But the context of this statement, you must be born again, is a conversation that took place between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was one of those men John was referring to at the end of chapter 2 when he said that there were many who believed in Jesus' name, but as we see, they did not believe in Jesus for who he really is. Now, on the outside, Nicodemus looked like a man who had it all together. On the inside, he did not. On the outside, it appeared that Nicodemus was saved. We discover that he was not. He did know, however, that something was missing in his life. And credit him for this. He went to the right place. He went to Jesus. And what ensued was this conversation about this new birth As we look at this passage, there are three things about this birth and what it means to be born again that I want us to see in this passage. First of all, we see the necessity of the new birth, the necessity of the new birth. Look at verse 1. 
There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. This begins what was the only friendly conversation Jesus ever had with a Pharisee in all of the Gospels. And right at the beginning, uh, John begins to emphasize Nicodemus's credentials, all the things that he had going for him. For example, Nicodemus was religious. He was a Pharisee. They were like the Eagle Scouts of Judaism, and they committed themselves not only to keeping the law, but all of the rules and regulations that they had added to the law. He was very religious. He was also powerful. John calls him a ruler of the Jews, which means he was a member of a special group called the Sanhedrin, kind of like a Jewish supreme court that managed religious affairs There were only 70 people on that court, and Nicodemus was one of them. He was also a very influential man. Down in verse 10, Jesus referred to him as the teacher of Israel. We know that he was wealthy because John 19 tells us that this same Nicodemus, after Jesus died on the cross, he purchased a 100 pounds of spices to honor him at his burial. We also know that Nicodemus was a humble man. I mean, do you realize what an incredible thing it was that a man of his stature would actually call a Jewish carpenter rabbi and then place himself in the role of the student? That was an incredible thing. He was also very impressed with Jesus He said, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one else could do these signs that you do except God was with him. Now, technically, what Nicodemus just said was not true. Demons can perform signs. False prophets can perform signs. But the very fact that Nicodemus said that shows us that he had a very, very high opinion of Jesus. Now, Nicodemus was all of these things. He had all of this going for him. And so he comes to Jesus in John chapter 3, representing the highest and the best of humanity. In fact, his name literally comes from the word superior. And compared to other people, guess what? Yes, he was superior. But something was wrong. Verse 2 tells us that he came to Jesus at night. It's very interesting that John would include that detail. Some people believe that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he didn't want to be seen with Jesus. I personally believe he came at night because he had a million questions in his heart, and that's the one time he knew he could go to Jesus and have a private conversation with the Lord. But as John is telling this story, it's as if All of that physical darkness around them is really a picture of the spiritual darkness that was inside of his heart. And Jesus didn't waste any time in pointing that out. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In the Greek, it literally says, 
Amen, amen, I say to you. In other words, whatever you do, Nicodemus, do not miss what I'm about to say. I imagine Nicodemus had many, many questions. He wanted to ask Jesus, but you know what? Jesus never gave him a chance. He never even got to the first question on his list because when Jesus looked at Nicodemus, he knew that what he really needed was not for his questions to be answered. What he needed was life. What he needed was this new birth. And so when Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, that statement really turned his world upside down. Because as a Pharisee, Nicodemus had always believed and he had taught others that salvation came down to two things. For everybody, salvation, he thought, was about keeping the law. And for the Jews in particular, it was about their Jewish identity. Jesus' statement, you must be born again, it shattered both of those beliefs. We're not saved by keeping the law because we are lawbreakers. Thus, Jesus referred to this as birth because birth is not something that you achieve. Birth is something you experience. For example, I have in my office a diploma hanging on my wall. I can tell you about all the things that I did to earn that diploma. I can tell you about all the books that I read and all the tests that I took and all the pages that I had to write. And if you're having trouble sleeping, just ask. I will lend you my thesis. But I can tell you all the things that I did to earn that document. There's another document I have. It's called a birth certificate. And do you know what I did to earn that document? Not a single thing. Now, my mom, she did a lot. But I didn't do a single thing at all. Salvation is not obtained by keeping the law. It's not what we achieve. But it's also not obtained by one's ethnic identity And think about this, if Jesus had said to Nicodemus, every Gentile must be born again, Nicodemus would have nodded his head in agreement. In fact, there was a rabbinic saying back in those days that Abraham was stationed outside of the gates of hell just to make sure that no Jews accidentally wandered there. But when Jesus said, I say to you, Nicodemus, you need to hear this. It's as if he's saying, yes, you, in spite of all of your credentials, in spite of all these things you have going for you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, cannot have salvation or eternal life with God in heaven. Would you just to imagine with me that there's a nation somewhere out there And this nation were to pass a law that the only people who could live there were the people who were born there. Now imagine along comes a man who really, really wants to live in that country. But unfortunately, he was not born there. In this scenario, it would not matter whether or not that person spoke the language. It would not matter if that person observed their traditions. It would not matter 
if he changed his name or if he wore their clothes. It would not matter if his parents had been born there or if his children had been born there. None of that would matter because he was not born there. Likewise, Jesus said to Nicodemus, there is a kingdom, the kingdom of God, and the only people who live there forever are those who are born into it. There are a lot of people like Nicodemus in the world today. They're religious. They're successful. They're good people compared to others. And they even have a high respect for Jesus as a prophet or as a moral teacher. But they are lost because they have never been born again. And if what Jesus is saying is true, if it is impossible to see, much less enter, the kingdom of God apart from this new birth, that means we had better know what it means to be born again, and how to experience that birth. Now, that's exactly where this conversation is about to take us, starting in verse 4. So we see the necessity of the new birth, but next we're going to see the nature of the new birth. We're going to see the nature of the new birth. Look at verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. There's a word for this. It's called sarcasm. How many of you have the spiritual gift of sarcasm? Anybody here? All right, some of you are pointing to the person beside you. Um, Nicodemus was being sarcastic. He was an intelligent man. He was an educated man. He understood the absurdity of what he was saying that it's impossible for a person to be physically born twice. But physical birth was the only birth that he could imagine. And so Jesus is going to explain it to him. Look at verse 5. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now notice, there are two births that must take place. Jesus said, unless one is born of water and the Spirit. Now, what does that mean, to be born of water? I'll tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean baptism. You could be baptized so many times the fish know your name. That is not going to save you. Now, there are a number of different views about what it means to be born of water, I don't believe it's all that hard to figure out what Jesus meant because the context both before and after verse 5 make it pretty clear. Jesus said to Nicodemus, there must be two births. Nicodemus suggested two physical births. So then Jesus corrects him and says, no, one birth is physical, and the other birth is spiritual. Thus, to be born of water refers to one's physical birth. Why? Because a woman's water breaks before she gives birth. To be born of water means to be born physically. 
So that's one birth, but Jesus then referred to being born of the Spirit. Now we have a nice theological word for this. We call this regeneration. Regeneration. That moment a man or woman by faith, by grace, trust in Christ, and in that moment, the Spirit of God causes that person who is spiritually dead to come to life, and in that moment, there is a change that takes place that is so incredible and so monumental that Jesus refers to it here as a birth. Now, this is why Jesus said in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There's a physical birth, and there is a spiritual birth. One is not the other. That which is flesh is flesh. There's no amount of works that you can do in your body of flesh that will produce this spiritual birth or cause it to come about. And so these two births are different, and yet they're both referred to as a birth because they do have some things in common. And I want you to think about several things that the physical birth and the spiritual birth both have in common. For example, birth changes everything. Birth changes everything. When a baby is born, that baby doesn't understand everything that just took place. But even that newborn baby knows some things. Even that newborn baby knows that where he or she was, it was very dark. And now, it's very bright. He knows that it was very wet, and now it's dry. He knows it was very warm, and now it's very cold. He knows that everything has changed. And likewise, when a man or woman is born again, everything changes God makes us a new creation with a new nature and a new will and new desires, a new way of life and a new power to become the persons God wants us to be. There's another similarity. Birth is permanent. Every parent knows that there is nothing your child can ever do to cause them to not be your child. Once you've been born, you can't become unborn. Regeneration is called spiritual birth because it is permanent. It can't be undone. Birth also means we have a clean slate. You know what you will never see? You will never see the police arresting a newborn baby. Can you imagine that? Little tiny handcuffs. <laughs> You have the right to remain silent <laughs> as if that's going to happen. You'll never see police arresting a baby because a baby does not have a past to have committed any crime. Well, likewise, when a person is born again, guess what? The past is gone. Psalm 51 says God takes our sin and he moves it as far as the east is from the west. Something else about birth it happens at a point in time. Your birth certificate when you were born physically, it has the date on which you were born, but more than likely, depending on what country in which you were born, it also has 
the time of birth, the hour and the minute. I look at my birth certificate and I know that I was born at 9.35 a.m. Well, this past week, I mentioned Randy and I were in Cuba. We had the opportunity to preach at 12 different locations in Kaibadien, Monday through Thursday. And uh, I remember on Wednesday, we were preaching at a particular house church, and there was a man there that I want you to see. His name is Miguel, and he was invited. He showed up for the very first time, and there in that little house church, He heard the gospel. There he was convicted of his need to be saved. And there he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. I didn't know it, but Randy actually uh, slipped in that photograph even as he was praying and calling upon the Lord. And as soon as we said amen, we gave him one of those blue Gideon Spanish New Testaments, and we opened it up. And on the inside, I told him to write down the date November the 9th, 2022, and then Randy said, hey, Pastor Howard, tell him to write down the time. It's 4.30 p.m. That way he would always remember, not just the day, but if there was an actual time when when spiritual birth took place. There's a point in time for physical birth. There is a point in time for spiritual birth. Now, we see that Physical and spiritual births are different, and yet they have all these things in common. And so do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's making the case to Nicodemus that there is something that even he is lacking in his life, that being this spiritual birth. Look at verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. When Jesus said, do not marvel, I would imagine it's because he was marveling. Text doesn't tell us, but I wonder if maybe his, he started to sweat, maybe if his hands began to shake, maybe his heart uh, began to race, because Jesus just hit him with the most hard-hitting truth of his entire life. All this time, he thought he had it all together, and he's starting to realize he does not. Look at verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Once again, Jesus took something deep and complex, and he explained it using something simple, something that everybody can understand. He said this spiritual birth is like the wind. It's very interesting Both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, it turns out that the same word that translates spirit also translates wind. So you can see the play on words that Jesus was using here. Now, we don't understand the wind, but nobody doubts that it exists. We can't explain exactly why the wind blows where it blows and how it blows, But we sure do know when a hurricane has passed by, don't we? Because we can look and see the effects of it. And likewise, we don't fully understand the spiritual birth, but we know when an addict is set free. We know when greed turns into generosity. 
We know when a heart that's full of hate starts to love, we can see the effects in a person's life. You say, oh, pastor, I I still don't understand this spiritual birth. That's okay. If you're sick and your doctor gives you a medicine to cure you, you don't have to understand all of the biology or all of the chemistry in order to benefit from it. You just have to trust your doctor and take it. And so we see the necessity of the new birth. You must be born again. We see the nature of the new birth. It is a spiritual birth that the Spirit of God produces in us. One more thing about this new birth that we need to understand, and that is the possibility of the new birth. The possibility of the new birth. Let's look at verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Folks, that is the million-dollar question. And I don't think Nicodemus was necessarily asking, how can these things be true? But how can these things be possible? In other words, how exactly does this new birth, this spiritual birth you are talking about, become a reality? How can it be a reality in my life? This question that Nicodemus is asking Jesus, this is the same question of every man and woman who desperately wants to start over in life, but they don't know how. How can this happen? Maybe this is some of you here this morning. You are beginning to understand that like Nicodemus, there's a change that's needed in you, but it's a change you cannot produce on your own by yourself. How can this be? Look at verse 10. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? And Jesus is going to answer his question, but first he chides him just a little bit. Nicodemus should have known the answer to his question because the scriptures he'd been studying all of his life told him the answer to this question. The scriptures told him that we are sinners, that we cannot save ourselves by moral reform or religious reform. Psalm 51.10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord my God. We can't produce this new heart, this clean heart. No, God's going to have to create it. And you know why that is? Because Jeremiah 17.9 says the heart is deceitful and that it is beyond cure. And therefore, in Ezekiel 36, God said, I will give you a new heart and put my spirit in you. And so, yes, Nicodemus should have known about this new birth. Yes, the scriptures told him these things. But we go back to that question, how does this happen? Look at verse 11. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now, when Jesus said to Nicodemus, we speak what we know and we testify what we have seen, we have to ask the question, who are we in these verses? Jesus, and who else? Well, I would just remind you that John the Baptist had recently begun preaching 
and saying, here's Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I believe that that is the witness, and that's the testimony that he was referring to. And although I do believe Nicodemus was eventually saved, he was not saved in John chapter 3. And I want you to notice in those last two verses we just read, a couple of key words that explain why you might want to highlight these two words or underline these two words, and those words are receive and believe. Receive and And believe. Both of these words are so important. John's going to comment on this in the verses that follow, which we will look at in detail more next Sunday. But notice in verse 11 11, how he says this, word for word. Notice this. In verse 11, you do not receive. And then in verse 12, he said, you do not believe. Why wasn't Nicodemus born again? There's your answer. What must he have done to be born again? What must happen in his life to receive and to believe? And Nicodemus's failure to see, it turns out, was actually a refusal to see. He did not believe, it turns out, because he would not believe. It was a refusal to believe. Now, this tells us why Nicodemus wasn't born again, but this also tells us how any man or any woman can be born again. We receive Jesus for who he claims to be. We receive him as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as the risen Lord. We believe in him. In other words, we place our faith in him, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And this is where it all begins Notice Jesus said to Nicodemus, if I try to talk to you about earthly things, things like birth, things like the wind, and you don't believe me when I'm talking about that, how are you going to believe if I try to talk to you about heavenly things? It's like Jesus was saying, oh, Nicodemus, I know you got so many questions you want to ask me. And there are so many glorious doctrines we could talk about. But none of that matters until you have dealt with the most basic truth in all of life. You must be born again. It all starts right there. You may have a million questions. You must be born again. You may have heard a thousand sermons. You must be born again. You may be a very religious person like Nicodemus. You must be born again. You may be a church member. You may have been baptized. You must be born again. You may be better than most everybody around you. You must be born again. And so let me just ask you that question. Have you been born again? It's a yes or no question, isn't it? 
Some of you may say, well, well, pastor, I don't remember the day. I don't remember the time like Miguel. Well, that's okay. If you've been saved, I'll tell you this. God wrote it down for you. The question is not whether you can remember the time that you were born again. The question is, do you know that there was such a time that you have been born again? Because Jesus said, you must be born again. Do you join me as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made possible this new birth. We understand that by ourselves, apart from you, we're lost. That there is no way in our sinful condition we could live in the presence of a holy God and the kingdom of God forever. But you loved us enough that you did something about that problem by sending Jesus who lived the life we should have lived in our place, who died the death we should have died in our place, and that he did that, he died, he rose again, so that the door of heaven would be open to anyone willing simply to receive this gift, believing in Jesus as Savior and Lord. And we recognize, God, this birth isn't something that we can cause to happen. It's not something we can produce in ourselves. It's something the Spirit of God must produce in us. And so, God, we ask you this morning in this room for all those present, those that are watching online, that your Spirit would work in this moment, that you would bring conviction to hearts. There might be some people like Nicodemus who came here today at the beginning of this message, thought that they had it all together, but they don't because Jesus said, you must be born again. And maybe there's some here today that realize for the very first time how they must respond. God, I pray that you would open blind eyes, that you would open darkened hearts and minds, that they would see themselves for who they really are just like Nicodemus, that they would be able to see their need to be born again. God, I pray that this would be that day, the 13th of November, 2022, on their spiritual birth certificate, that they were born again. Father, would you help all of us to take the message we've just heard with us because we know that wherever we go, we're going to be surrounded by people this week who need to hear this, who need to know that they must be born again, but who also need to know that they can be born again. And so go before us and give us that holy boldness that the early church asked for, that everywhere we go, we would share this good news of this new birth that you have made possible through Jesus Christ. And God, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. With the head still bowed and eyes still closed for just a moment, before we depart, before we close, I got to ask you that question one more time. Have you been born again? 
I wonder if there's anybody here that would say, well, pastor, looking at these verses, hearing what Jesus said to Nicodemus, applying this to my own life, I realize that's me. I need to be born again. I don't have that spiritual birthday. I've had a physical birthday, but I have not yet experienced that new birth that Jesus spoke to Nicodemus about. And I understand that I need to receive Christ. I need to believe in him. I need to place my faith in him that the spirit of God would produce in me this new birth, this change from within that I could never cause to happen no matter how hard I tried. I'm just wondering, anybody here in this room and also anybody online as well, we want to hear from you, anybody that would say, Pastor, yes, I'm willing to admit I need to be born again, and I want today to be that day. I want this to be my spiritual rebirthday, and, and today I'm ready and willing to receive him and believe on him. Anybody just by raising a hand would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm the Nicodemus in this story. Pray for me. I need to take that step because if so, we'll pray even now. Anybody in this room that would say, Pastor, I need to be born again. If you're watching online, we want to hear from you. Please make sure you text us, that you send uh, a text message to that number on the screen so that we can reply. And if today you are placing your faith in Christ and, and following him as Lord of your life. Uh, we want to know so that we can celebrate with you. The Bible says there's a celebration in heaven when just one person repents, but then also we want to help you. Some of you may be watching this or hearing this, and you've got questions, and you want to continue the conversation. Uh, I've got one plan this week. Somebody's like, hey, I've I hear you, but I want to know more. And so would you please let me know? You can mark that uh, box on the connection card on the bulletin, or you can send that text to that number and send it to us, and we'll set that up, and we would love to talk to you more about what it means to be born again. Uh, but I'll be here at the front. So let me just encourage you after the service is over, I'll place myself here at the front for as long as needed to meet with anybody, to pray with anybody. Uh, if you want to know more about this or if you're ready to take that step of faith.